On this edition of the Two Minute Round Face to Face, co-host Lupe Gutierrez speaks to Daniel Perkins. Out of Brooklyn, New York and currently residing in Houston, Texas, Dee is a former pro basketball player turned boxer. With a short amateur career, she became a world gold medalist last November. Today she speaks about that gold medal win, her pending pro debut, and how her journey in boxing began, among other topics. Hi, Dee. Hey, what's going on? How are you doing? Hey, it's good to speak to you again. Uh, I love talking to you guys. How are you feeling? Yeah. Good, good. How are you feeling? I feel great, you know. I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to actually be stepping back into the ring tomorrow. I know. We're excited. You know, the yeah, last time we spoke, the last time we spoke, we were on a Zoom call. It was me and you. It was the former heavyweights, uh, Martha and Laura Ramsey. And my sister, Blanca, and we all agree that you are the future of the heavyweight division. Oh, okay. I like that. That's a good... Uh, I was trying to look for a ring name. I was going to go with uh, Skibbity Pats, but I think uh, the future is uh, more professional. <laughs> the future. Oh, my gosh. So, and at the time, you were just getting ready for your pro debut, which was postponed due to the COVID-19 lockdown, and here we yeah. are. So... Yeah. Did you, you just got out of weigh-ins, right? Yeah, my uh, opponent came in heavy. Um, yeah, I weighed in. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I weighed in at 195, and she was two pounds over. Um, which, you know, doesn't really make a difference. Usually, um, when I, I mean, there's not for me, there's not much difference. I've, you know, I've always been a smaller person in height and in weight. Usually when I fight the heaviest girl, I fought was about 240 pounds so um and i usually fight at like 195 the heaviest maybe 205 but i'm usually always smaller than everybody else even though i'm six feet tall yeah you're you're built like a statue you have a beautiful physique thank you i really work on it (laughs) yeah you do you're like a goddess (laughs) so she's heavier hey is this a heavyweight belt no, it's supposed to be um, it's supposed to be a cruiserweight uh, bout. Um, because originally we were gonna fight for a ABA belt when we were in Texas, but the commission here in Michigan is not gonna approve that, and the ABA uh, wanted eight rounds, and I didn't want to come out with eight rounds. I thought six was was quite the limit to start off. Okay, so is this the same, your opponent, the same one that was originally matched? Yes. Yeah, that, that was the easy part about this card. We already had a contract signed. Um, we just went with that. So you were just waiting for the for the day for them to let you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Hey, so uh, D, how did you feel at weigh-ins? Was it the same feeling, say, uh, like during during your amateur world competition, where you won the gold medal, or or did it feel different? No, I mean the thing about the difference between um, now, of course, with. Uh, um, the amateurs is that you're not there with your teammates. Um, and when I went in for Worlds last time, I was by myself. Um, so essentially, uh, the mindset is pretty much the same. You know, I look at my opponent and I just, I just start smiling. I can't help it. I don't know why that happens, but uh, I usually just look at them and I just like just start laughing. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably just looking at you like, ah, what did she yeah. know? <laughs> <laughs> right, she uh, she said to me, she goes, um, it's on. I said, yeah, of course. That's the only reason you're here. <laughs> right on. So let's talk about let's talk a little about world. 
You know, mm-hmm. I just rewatched your fight in Russia last November. You know, you were the first U.S. boxer to win a world title in three years since Clarissa Shields. I mean, that was a lot of fun. Um, I mean, I feel like uh, every single fight from that sequence being in Worlds is completely different. Um, so usually people ask me what my style is, and I was like, you, I mean, as a boxer, you really can't have a style because then you're predictable. So usually what stands in front of me is going to receive something completely opposite. So if you rush me, I'm a box you. If you're a counterpuncher, I'm a counterpuncher, the counterpuncher. It kind of depends on what's in front of me. So, um, every single fight in that sequence was completely different. And that last, that last one was, I, I like to say it was like tag. <laughs> you know, so you, beat the, you beat the defending world champion Yang Zali of China. You beat her 5-0. and oh. you know, Yeah. I, I, re- uh, yeah. I rewatched yeah, I, it. You just have beautiful feints and precision. You know, you knocked her down in the first, in the first minute of the first round. You gave her standing eight in the second, another one in the third. Is mm-hmm. that what you were expecting from China's best? Well, the thing about it is I've watched uh, China um, fight, and I've always wondered why people rush them. Like, that's exactly what they're looking for. They like this area of frustration um, that people don't know how to negotiate. And I feel like some of the best boxers know how to negotiate outside of um, just throwing punches, you know, footworks and feints. Give you a lot more opportunity and give you better looks. And also that space allows you to get, like, cleaner shots. So... Um, I, w- I didn't know what to expect from her. I didn't know if she was going to come out softball, if she was going to be orthodox, because she can fight uh, either hand. So I had zero expectations. I just went to the ring, and I was like, I'm just going to have to fight this woman, and if they raise my hand at the end, that's what it is. But I'm going in to give her one of the best fights of her life. So Yeah, she was moving around a lot. She had a little bounce to her, and you were very <laughs> – you were stalking. And it looked like yeah. you were, um, you really were precise. Like you were picking your shots. I mean, it seemed like you could see through her. Like she was wasting energy and you were wasting, you were keeping it all, keeping it all in. Yeah. Yeah, I like to stay calm. I think I think that's important too, especially in um, something that is uh, holds a lot of stake. Like uh, there are very few people in this world who will ever win a world championship. Um and whenever you speak to a world champion, it seems like they go into this trance um, when they go to fight and they lock in. Um, a lot of things I, I don't remember. So sometimes when I watch the fight, I was like, oh, wow, that was pretty good. Yeah, that was really good. So what is so the ultimate goal for you, of course, is um, a world champion title. Yeah, I, wanna, I want the WBC. I, I've been, um, it's been on my mind, <laughs> and that's what I, that's what I want. Um, I watched, uh, actually, the first time I ever watched um, a world championship fight was actually Martha's fight, and that's kind of what was my motivation. I was like, oh, okay, well, let me watch some more of her fights, and let me see some more of the opponents. And then I realized, you know, the best track for me to take is become uh, a decorated amateur because, you know, heavier weights, you're going to be taking a lot of punishments. You need to be um, quick on your toes and light on your feet. Because um, you don't want to, I mean, to be fair, I don't want to be hit in the face by Martha, so I needed to get yeah. better on my feet. Yeah. So it's a yeah, better understanding you know, of the game. Yeah, really. And, you know, with Martha retiring, I mean, she pretty much took the heavyweight division with her. I mean, it's dead. Mm-hmm. 
So, what, you're confident you're the one to wake it up? Yeah, I mean, I feel like um, I bring a very different element to uh, to the heavyweight division. Um, for the most part, you know, I love watching. Uh, one of my favorite male fighters is Luis Ortiz. I feel like we have a lot in common. Um, Southpaw, quick on his feet. I also shoot, like, I get to the body quickly. Um, but I also have a lot of power, so... I'm um, looking to bring a lot of that to the heavyweight division. So once I do settle down and get my feet uh, into the ground, I'm going to dig right into uh, into the body. You know, I want to talk more about the heavy division, heavyweight division, and there's really nobody to talk about, you know? So that's why we yeah. need you to come in there. So there's you to talk about, and then you get that momentum, and, you know, maybe there'll be more names. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I hope to uh, bring on the future, meaning I mm-hmm. hope to inspire other young ladies to um, to stick with the heavyweight division. There are a lot of basketball players, volleyball players, you mm-hmm. know, some kickboxers, some MMA people who essentially could transition to boxing, but they don't really see much into it. Not so much there's not competition, it's the fact that um, there's no money involved. So people, you know, they work for money. So essentially... Yeah. When we have a bigger pool of quality candidates and people want to see, um, it's going to wake people up and it's going to inspire people to want to be a part of boxing, period, because women's boxing is coming up. Women's boxing has transitioned into a mainstream mm-hmm. sport that people want to watch, so why not have it in all divisions, not just the lower yeah. weights? Yeah, and you got to make sure you have the right person who's negotiating so you can make that money. Because everyone right. loves the heavyweights, you know? Everyone loves the heavyweights. I love the heavyweights, you know? Especially <laughs> in the women. It's exciting, you know? It's fun. You, you ha- I like it. Yeah, and you heavyweights, like Martha and you, you're usually like, you're, you're big, you're tough, you're muscular, you're fine, and you're so sweet. Oh, I know. Thank you. <laughs> Maybe because you can be, you know? <laughs> hey, hey, so we're talking transition. Um, we've mentioned that word a couple times, so... You were a pro basketball player before you turned mm-hmm. to boxing. So yep. who were you playing for, and how was that transition? Well, I mean, um, I played basketball for roughly about 14 years of my life. Um, I played for St. John's University. Then I went to Puerto Rico, Austria, Czech, Germany, Italy, and finally my last one, Spain. But um, my career ended with a car accident, um, and it really kind of uh, ended my career as a basketball player. But... And I just couldn't like, let it go, so I started boxing. Um, and that was uh, five years of, of healing and, and recovering. So I'm grateful for the sport of boxing, being able to allow me to, to compete again, especially at like a high level. Yeah, and, it, and there's a saying that boxing saves lives, and then it sounds like it saved your life too, you know, if right. you had to give up basketball. But what kind of, um, what happened where you couldn't play basketball but you can box? Kind of an injury one, or if you want to discuss the injury. Well, I mean, I got hit by a car, um, and uh, I had some severe nerve damage. I was paralyzed for a little bit, and I uh, had uh, head injuries um, and some back injuries that essentially um, I was lucky um, that I got um, pretty much all my faculties back just over a period of time of healing. Um, but basketball is one of those sports that um, requires a lot of, you know, vertical movement, and I just couldn't get mm-hmm. that back. Um, okay. And, 
you get to a point when, you know, you start to develop your career, you're not going to take, um, you're not going to start from zero again. So I just kind of, uh, I retired. Wow. So how long after you retired, I know you're probably bummed out and that you found boxing. Um, so that was like 2007. So it was about seven years. Wow. Oh, so it took you five years of healing and then two years to find boxing? Yeah, two years to get, like, because I originally started just, like, hitting mitts in the gym, but, yeah, it took me a long time to recover. Like, not just, I mean, physical, physically I recovered in about three years, but, like, mentally, um, like, wanting to compete, because, you know, uh, you know, real competitors don't, you know, are not in between on, on competition. You know, you give 100%, so once you make a commitment, you have to really stick with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So once I was able to mentally commit to it, I 100% physically committed to to boxing. So in that time, that time period, is that when you um, finish your schooling? I know you're getting an MBA now, right? You're working on it in finance. Mm-hmm. So yeah. is that when you uh, got your college out of the way during that time? No, no, I graduated um, from uh, St. John's in uh, 2006. So I was okay. done before, long before the the accident. Oh, okay. So you probably had a journey just from that time point, that time period, you know, from healing, and here you are. Yeah. So, so D, how and when did you decide to go pro? Um. So, uh, in 2018, um, before I left for for Worlds, I told my coach, "Hey, once I get back from Worlds with this gold medal, we're going pro." Um. It just so happened, and things happen. Everything happens for a reason. So. I ended up um, hurting my knee in the first round. Like, I tore up my uh, meniscus and uh, part of my ACL in, like, the first uh, actual round of um, the medal rounds. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. I mean, I finished the fight and won the fight, but I couldn't walk anymore. So um, I finished number three in the world, um, which for me was completely unsettling. And I was like, I'm not leaving Mm -hmm. uh, the amateur world without winning a gold. So... Yeah. When we went back to Russia, um, my mission was to win gold. And when I came back, I was like, I'm ready, <clears throat> excuse me, to turn pro. Yeah, that was a great win, like uh, the 19, you know, because we're all proud. The American goes and wins the bronze. And then the next year, we're like, yeah, she took gold. Yeah, I was like. Awesome. So going back, just how you feel, like when you started taking boxing and now that you're going into pro, do you have any – worries about um, getting hit in the head and taking those blows, knowing what you went through with your with your healing period? No, I mean, um, my sparring partners are humongous. Like, uh, one of the guys that I spar with is uh, 6'3", 240 pounds. Um, nice. And, yeah, he hits me pretty aggressively, or he tries to, for the most part. Um, I, I, like, I'm not... I'm not, I mean, here's the thing, I'm not afraid of getting hit because I would, I would honestly not be able to do this if I was, if I was afraid. So, you know, you have a 18 fight. It's not like you are having 70, you know, in the, so you're ready. So we're yeah, ready. No, we're ready. We're ready too for you. Yeah. I mean, I have a, I have a lot of ring experience. Um, I never take off. I know a lot of people, if they're not fighting or, I always, I'm always, I go to the gym every single day. Uh, after this fight, I'm scheduled to be at the OTC, and I'll be there for two weeks. 
then I'll come back and I'll be at O Athletic for the remainder of the year until we get called up again. Um, so I'm always constantly in training, and my body reflects that. So this lockdown period, how were you getting? Did you have access to a private gym, or were you just working out on your own? Well, you During know, Texas is open. Yeah, Texas is pretty much open. Like, we had parks, um, and then, of course, uh, you know, we, we the pros are always going to be taken care of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right about that. So who makes up Team Perkins? Um, it's as um James Cooper and uh Marshall Kaufman. And uh, the James your main trainer or both trainers? Mm-hmm. And then who yeah, do you those... do you go different for conditioning or Yeah, um so uh my coach Coop, he also does a lot of the conditioning for the NFL guys back home, uh Adrian Peterson and Trent Williams. So we do strength and conditioning with them. Oh, so you're working with Dallas? Dallas Cowboys? No, no, no. No, uh, where are you? You're Houston. I'm in Houston. Yeah, no, they come to, they come to the gym. Like a lot of the guys from uh, Washington, Baltimore. I mean, everywhere, and they come work out at uh, at our location. Uh, so you're already hanging out with the elite. You are always hanging out with the elite. <laughs> <laughs> so you're making, you know, you're making your pro de- debut on a UFC fight pass at the historic Crump Gym. You know, where so many world champions, I mean, where they come from. Have you right. tweaked your amateur style? Um, what do you expect from yourself in the pro debut? Oh, um, I have actually learned uh, a couple of things that I'm going to bring to the table. Um, a lot of it's going to be a little bit more settling. Uh, I definitely have different ring gentlemanship now. Uh, I think before... Um, I worked a lot of the outside. Uh, like now, I'm going to be taking a lot of command on on this fight, um, doing a lot of the leading instead of uh, uh, counter fighting. I like to uh, set the tone off the bat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's you know what. Looking at that fight since I just watched it um, in Russia, it seemed like uh, you were able to like. It's like you were thinking and processing as you were moving around, like stalking. I mean, were you? like talking to yourself in your mind as you were going? I mean, you know what I mean? You were just stalking. Well, I mean, I, I kind of know what I, I was looking for and I was waiting for it to expose itself. So some of that kind of comes from uh, kind of honing in and a lot of acting. <laughs> and a lot of acting, you said? Yeah, a lot of acting. I was acting like I had a shot and kind of pretending that I was going to go for the shot and constantly faking and <laughs> fainting the shot, knowing I didn't have anything. I was just like, you know, if I keep doing this, you know, she's either going to lunge forward or she's going to shoot out of pocket because she's never seen so many faints at one time. So she's used to someone rushing in. So if I faint, she faints. I faint, she faints. At one of these faints, she's going to punch, and I'm just going to counter as hard as I can. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, outside of boxing now, you play the bass, you're engaged. Mm-hmm. You're engaged? Yeah, no, I just plan. Uh, I love. I like to joke <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I'm not engaged. <laughs> and you're the owner of a t-shirt company, Do Justice. What is Do Justice? Uh, Do Justice is this t-shirt company that me and my sister started a while ago, and just recently we started um, – doing some more fabrication and outsourcing some of our organic t-shirt brands. Um, 
And we're going to do something a little bit different this time around because we have a new marketing department and a new um, like pattern maker. So the thing that we had before was uh, we had to uh, get everything made basically to stock. Now we can get things more customized to the way that, you know, like my outfit that I'm going to wear today is made by our, pat- I mean, not today, tomorrow is made by a pattern maker and it's like made for me. So I didn't order stock shorts and um, a lot of times I had a pair of shorts made um, and they weren't made for me. Even though I gave the measurements, these shorts are made for my body and they fit, you know, the way that I'd like them to. So I use my own pattern maker, which um, in the future we will uh, put that logo on on my shorts and my outfits. Oh, so you actually, you're running a business. It's not like you have a t-shirt, you know, where we can buy shirts. You're, uh-uh. Oh, that's nice. Okay, is there anything else you want to, you want our listeners to know about you? I mean, this is anything you want. I mean, um, for the most part, um, I think you touched on everything. I'm pretty calm, but I love to crack jokes, so I like to have a good time. Um, and I'm <laughs> I'm excited to get this started, really. It's just, you know how you land, and you're like, yep, let's do it. Let's do it right now. Let's just go to the gym and fight. Hey, so can I ask you, who's your family? Do you have your, is your mom and dad still around, brothers, sisters? Are they excited for you? Or? Oh, well, my uh, my little sister, she lives in Iceland, so, yeah, she's pretty excited. Um, my mom, she's in New York. Uh, my father passed away my uh, senior, um, and when I was in uh, St. John's, um, he suffered okay. uh, majority, the last part of his life uh, with colon cancer. Uh, if oh. anyone pays attention to my uh like Instagram feed is always about like foods and nutrition and hydration uh-huh. because I believe that a lot of uh, diseases could be prevented if people just ate well and took better care of themselves internally. I know we focus a lot about the external, um, but what really what goes on in your body is really it's important what you put in and how healthy you keep yourself. I'm a huge advocate for like eating well and proper nutrition. Um, because I watched um, my father die because of poor decisions he made at the dinner table uh-huh. and out, you know, so that's always been very important to me. Um, have yeah. a better yeah. Ed- education. Yeah. No, that's great. And it's, a, and you know, it helps with your, uh, it'll make it easier for you because if you're, it becomes a part of you, right? When you take yeah. care of yourself, eat well and you exercise. So why don't you um, share your social media so people can follow you on your journey through the pros, they can follow you, your journey through health and wellness, and give them, give them all, whatever platforms you have. Oh, uh, well, my Instagram is uh, chambers11221. Uh, that's the zip code I grew up in. Um, and my Facebook is Daniel Chambers. Uh, and that's, I use Chambers a lot because that's my father's last name and I believe in honoring, of course, my heritage and, and my family. And my family is a huge part of uh, of who I am. And, you know, yesterday was my mom's birthday. And they've been very supportive of, of what I do athletically. You know, I've missed a lot of holidays and, and a lot of birthdays mm-hmm. participating in, in sports that I love. And they've never made me feel guilty or, or, or didn't support, you know, what I'm trying to do. So I really appreciate um, them and I always you know, make sure I pay homage to, to my family. Yeah, it's so important to have their support. Anything else? What, what kind of music do you play on the bass? I got to know. Oh, 
Well, I, I love anything with a solid base. So, like, anything like Rick James or even, like, Al Green has a solid base or The Temptations. I really like, um, like, the music that's played by real instruments. Um, I enjoy that the most. And, again, we're going to be watching Thursday. It's on UFC Fight Pass, 4 p.m. California time, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Man, I love you, and go get it. Appreciate you. Love you guys, too. Yeah, and then, shoot, we'll talk to you soon. Yes, Yes, ma'am. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Face to Face. Listen to the only all-female boxing podcast, though, two minute around every other Thursday here on blocktalkradio.com forward slash two minute around.